Drogba in der Mitte, Schneider, Schneider, Merhaba and welcome to episode 32 of the Lions Den, a Galatasaray podcast done by the community for the community. Today I, Yasin, will be your host along with my friend Jun. Yes, I know, I know, it's a change from Emre and Summit but unfortunately they did not show face today. Y'all will have to deal with it and hopefully it's just today. With that said, I shall pass it on to Jun. Jun, how you doing my man? Thank you, thank you. Yes, we're a little uh, little lonely today. It is what it is. I said last time there would be a 50 euro fee, so hope those guys opened their checkbooks. I hope uh, they got the check ready. Listen, I, I don't have a proper excuse for all of them this time, but our friend Emra, we saw a little bit too much Okan slander on social media this weekend, so he's <laughs> taking care of some business, I think. Uh, so he was not able to attend. Mazar, you know, we changed the schedule up on him. It's now like 8.30, 9 o'clock in Australia on a weekday, so he's working. But these Dutchies, I, I don't know. They, they could have attended if they wanted, but they chose not to this time. So. No, I think uh, Van Anholt was left out of the squad, right? So they said, you know, no, 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 way, <laughs> no way we can show our face around that podcast, bro. No way. Yeah, for sure. We'll <laughs> definitely talk about Van Anholt today. Uh, for our listeners, it's just me and John, like I said. We're going to talk about the game. We're going to talk about Okamburuk. We're going to talk about our play style or our lack of play style, depending on how you look at it, as well as our lineup and the way that we played against Kaisere. So I think we should just get right into it. I mean, normally we get we start with the news, but even though we've been on a bye week for two weeks, you'd think that there's a lot of news. There really isn't. You know, you think that we'd have like a friendly game the weekend that we're not playing, but that didn't exist. Instead, on social media, you see these guys going on three, four-day vacations to Italy or to wherever else. You know, there was nothing going on in the bye week. So, you know, what are your thoughts on that before we get into the game? I really don't like that. Um, I, I don't think anyone does. Like, I, I, it doesn't necessarily concern me, but it's not really what I want to see, you know, like as soon as we go on break, you know, Van Anholt goes on vacation. Mertens goes to Italy, uh, Italy for like the 20th time. Icardi, yeah. who the hell knows where he goes. So it's not really what I want to see. Like, I don't know if the, the players realize how much pressure is on the club to succeed this season. I think that the time could be, you know, better spent than going on vacation. So, and look, you know, all these players went on vacation and stuff and then we came back and match day was, uh, you know, a couple of days ago and it was a nightmare, right? So, I don't know, man. Yeah, and, uh, you know, normally, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, we had a friendly on the weekend when we weren't playing. Um, I, I forget what exactly the situation was, but do you think that the club, you know, whether it's the board or Okamburuk and his team could have done a better job scheduling something? I mean, I think there was discussion about playing against a first league team that also had a bye that week, but they were in a different city in, uh, in Turkey. I don't want to quote something wrong, but they were in the wrong, in a different city and they said they can't come. You know, it's too tiring to come to Istanbul, play a game and go back. So we couldn't find anybody to play against. And instead, we played against our youth. I don't know if it was a mixture of, you know, the A team and the youth team against each other or if it was the A team versus the youth team. But 
either way, it's not really great for our team chemistry that we're trying to build. And for weeks now, even though it's week 10, we're saying is maybe a good chunk of the problem why we're still not playing as good as we should be. So that's one of my criticisms from the get-go. I mean, I really think that they could have done a better job finding a team or if they have to travel somewhere. Yeah. You're not playing you're not playing European games on Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. You know, these guys, instead of traveling to Italy, if they have the energy to go to Italy, they should have the energy to go anywhere <laughs> in Europe and have a nice little, you know, game. You know, it's Galatasaray, you know, it's a big club. European teams and fans know Gala. It's not like we're ghost tepid. They're going to be like, why would I, like, let's say we're yeah, playing, exactly, I yeah. don't know, like a random team in Europe. You know, the fans are going to be like, oh, I want to watch Galatasaray. And there's Gala fans everywhere in yeah. Europe. So that'll, that'll bring attendance too. So I really think we could have done a better job there. And it might have been like a little bit of a foreshadowing to what we were going to see the next week uh, versus an away game. So um, is there anything else you want to say about that or should we just get right into the game? No, I, I mean, I think that pretty much translates into what we're about to talk about in the match. Um, maybe we could just get into it. Um, yeah, I'll leave that to you. Yeah, for sure. So this was uh, this was match day 10 in the Super League. Uh, the week before was the bye week like we just talked about. Uh, this time we were away to Kai City, and this finished in a 2-1 loss, unfortunately. Um, we had a Bodish score in the 86th minute. He was our goal scorer. I will go through the starting 11. Uh, so we had Muslera in goal. The back line was uh, almost the same with one very interesting change. So we had Sasha Boy, Victor Nelson, uh, Abdul Kerim and Kazumjan started in uh, left back. And then we had Micho, Torreira, Mata, Mertens, Yunus, and Icardi playing. Uh, Kerem was dropped from the starting 11. So some interesting changes there we'll, uh, we'll have to talk about. Uh, and then just jumping into some of the quick stats, um, we had 61% of ball possession uh, as opposed to the 39% for Kai City. 13 shots for us, 15 corners, and an XG of 1.93. Um, man, where do we start for this? I, 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 think, I think I'll start by saying, for some reason, going into this match, I thought that this would be a lot easier than it was. And then I think within the first five minutes, we realized it was going to be a tough night. And yes. Kaiseri came out, um, they came out ready, man. They looked like they were playing to win. They got it, uh, some good chances uh, right at the beginning. Uh, they wouldn't let us settle in. They wouldn't let us build up. You know, you, you have your typical hostile um, away crowd, uh, or sorry, home crowd that we're facing as the away team. Um, so I, re I had that realization very quick. It was going to be a tough night. And... Um, before I uh, sort of pass it on to you, Yasin, I, I, I'm going to mention um, sort of the note that I, I brought up in the starting 11 with Kazumjan. Mm -hmm. And I, I mentioned uh, many times now on the podcast that we should be trying to use Kazumjan because I think he could be our solution to this foreign issue. And we, we tried it and it freed up. It, we made a lot of moves. We pushed Meritens to the wing we brought Mata in at, at in the middle of the pitch. We had Micho, Torreira, and our three Turks were Yunus, Abdul Kerim, and Kazumjan, of course. 
what do you think about that, Yasin? What do you think about bringing in Kazim John? We'll talk about how he played, but what do you think about that? I mean, I think it was not that surprising. And you can almost say that this might, this might have been because of fan pressure. I don't want to assume anything. I don't want to say, hey, Okan is there on the sideline in practice looking at social media and saying, okay, let me play Kazimjan. Because it was rumored, you know, for a while, we got to change something, right? We got Van Anot on the left side who takes a foreigner spot and he hasn't been providing as much as we wanted in the attack. And the reason why we criticize that as well is because we haven't been scoring enough, right? So naturally you say, okay, our team's not scoring enough. We're controlling these games. But our left back or, you know, I guess, you know, our right back in this case is doing fine. But our left back is showing clear weakness in that effort to attack and score goals. So he was an easy target to attack. I mean, he was a, he was a guy since he, since last season. We got all these new exciting guys like Juan Mata, Martins, Icardi, you know, Frederick Misho, already a fan favorite. Lucas Torreira, who you can't change whatsoever. And then you got Nelson, who you also can't change. Mustafa's having the season of his life, just like every other season. So he was an easy target to kind of pick at. You know, you and Emma already discussed it last week. Somebody's got to change. Emma mentioned Emre Tashdemir. And I'm going to mention Kazimjan. Those are two options at left back. They're both Turkish and they open up that free spot up top. So last week we saw the ball play, but because he was not Turkish, we had to see Kazimjan play. I thought he was fine in the attack, um, but defensively he was a little bit weaker. Um, I think he could have done better in that regard. But, you know, while you're talking about Kazimjan, in my mind, I'm like, okay, this kid was actually pretty decent in the attack, but he actually could have played much better if our attack overall was better suited for this game versus Kaiserde. Right. And that's that's going to transition to my criticism of the rest of the lineup, which is I thought it was very weak. And I think, again, you know how you said coming into this game, you thought it was going to be an easier game. I think all the fans thought that. And unfortunately, it seems like Okan Buruk and his team kind of had the same feeling. When you go to a game and you play Juan Mata, Dries Mertens, Yunus Akun, you know, these three little guys up tack, you know, they might be creative. They might have a nice shot, a nice pass. But when you play them in the, in the attack, you know, you're asking for Kaiseri to push up a little bit. You know, fine. We're aware of your attack. We're aware of the threat that these guys bring. But we're going to out, outpace them. We're going to, you know, strength-wise, we're going to outstrength them. And we're going to be able to bring our fans behind us and keep that pressure up top in your own half. And that's exactly what they did. Um you know, looking back, do you do you have any regrets on the front three of Dries Mertens, Mata, and Yunus Akin? You know, we've seen Juan Mata play exceptionally well in the attack, whether it was against Istanbul Spor or our last game as a sub. Yeah. We've seen Dries Mertens obviously bring the creativity and experience he's had. But then you got Yunus Akin, who was a little bit of a surprise to a lot of people, right? We Some people thought, you know, Kerem might get benched along with Yunus. Or maybe Yunus might get benched, you know, Kerem playing. Or more so, maybe both of them get benched and we see Barish Alper play. So what do you, what do you think about that? I'm, I'm curious about your Yunus Alkun and your front three thoughts. Yeah, I, I mean, I look, I, I think I fully agree with what you're saying. Like, I think that um, there kind of was a little bit of a mismatch in terms of the, you know, players we had up front and the way that Kaiseri was playing. Uh, that definitely caused issues, but honestly, you know, maybe this is a a point to bring up a little bit later, but I, I really can't help but think um, our lack of identity and lack of play style is what's making that look even worse. 
Like, I think without a, without a doubt, there definitely was a, a mismatch. And I think the match was made difficult for those, you know, those smaller players like Mata, Yunus, Mertens. Um, but I think it just made it even worse that we don't play with any type of uh, system at all. Like, I, I, I made a joke to, to, to the rest of the guys that it looks like we're just playing Bismillah ball. Like, that's basically what it is. Like, we're just <laughs> praying to God that, you know, our stars can make it happen and just make it work. And that's yeah. honest, honestly what it looks like. So I, I think that if we had a, you know, concrete system and, you know, there was a way that uh, Okan Buruk said, look, this is how we're playing every week, regardless. This is our system. We stick to it. We believe in our system. This is what complements our players. I think it would have been made a little bit easier. Like, I'm not saying we would have won the match. I just think it would have been a little bit easier. Um, I think that's a, a major issue. And I'm I'm sure you've you've seen that and the rest of the fans have seen that we just sort of look, you know, like a mess on the field, right? Yep, 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 for sure. And we'll definitely talk about that in more detail a little bit later after the game. But. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll just cap off sort of the first half. I mean, in the 22nd minute, Kayseri went up 1-0. Um, and then they, they made it 2-0 in the 34th minute. And uh, I mean, look, <laughs> the Kayseri fans were doing a light show in the first half. I mean... It, it it was really hard to watch. Honestly, they were doing a light show with their phones and lighters and stuff. Literally in like the fortieth minute of the match, so that that pretty much tells you right there how that first half went. So it ended two nil, and then the second half began with three changes. Uh, so we had Yunus come out for Sergio Oliveira, uh, Mitsho came out for Rashica, and Mertens came out for Barish. Um, do you feel like those subs made in any type of impact or improved the way we were playing at all? I think, you know, putting on Oliveira put a little bit more control in, you know, a little bit more of a dominant attacking midfielder in the game. And, you know, you kind of saw him before he got in the half speaking with, you know, Yunus, uh, not Yunus, uh, Rashika and Barish, you know, on how he's going to play the game, how, how he wants them to play alongside him. So I like that leadership side of him that came onto the field you know he he was the guy that was leading us to all these incredibly high xgs the past few weeks before you know he had you know his uncle pass away and he missed a few games but you know i was fine with that one rashika brought on a nice pace a little bit of strength same thing with budish but i kind of questioned the sub of misho taking him out of the midfield because now you had you know luke's torreira who was already tired after the first half of Kaiseda absolutely dominating us, you know, in terms of play style and attack. Mm -hmm. But now, you know, you're taking off Misho, who's kind of his right-hand man in the entire first half, putting on Sergio, who's a very attacking midfielder. You know, we've seen him play number eight in the past and sometimes number 10, I guess. But he's very attack-minded. He doesn't get back to help Torreira as much as he should. So I feel like we lost a little bit of control in the midfield until we started really attacking in the later half of the second half. But um, I... I don't know. I think Juan Mata could have come off a little bit sooner, maybe at the half mark, because up until, you know, basically, you know, at 45 minutes when Okan's thinking about subs, I'm not sure how effective Juan Mata was. Uh, yeah. You know, everything's easier to say in hindsight, but we've seen Dries Mertens play that number 10 pretty well in the past. And it, it could have made a little bit more sense to keep him in the second half, especially considering Juan Mata has not played that many games in full 90, especially as a starter, right? You know, 
He played a little bit as a sub last game. He played against a weaker Istanbul Spore the week prior to that, you know, as a friendly game where things are not as intense. So to put him in as a starter against a tough Kayseri away in a league game, I think maybe was a little bit too much for him uh, to start this game. And a little bit surprising to see him stay on in the second half after that pretty bad first half. Yeah, um, and, and, and as a note, uh, excuse me, as a note, he came out in the 75th minute for Gomis. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously at that point, we were just trying to score, right? So, yeah, yeah I... I, you know that it's it's difficult. Like I said, like I I think Juan Mata is a brilliant player. Like I had some questions about him coming in, um, you know, coming into the the transfer period when when we actually brought him in and when the rumors were going and stuff like that. I had some questions. I he sort of won me over with what I've seen in training and that in the friendly that he played and and things like that. I think that he can st- still be effective, but again, I mean. You can't just put these players on the field without having this this philosophy or this system, and then just expect because they're big names or you know big players that they're just going to make it work. And I that's what I feel is happening, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then just before we move on from these substitutions, I'm just going to make a note as well. In the 87th minute, um, right after Bodish scored, so Bodish scored in the 86th minute to make it 2-1, and then right after that, Torreira came out for Kerem, and Kerem had a few minutes to work and see if he can, if he can create some magic. Um, but maybe uh, that can sort of lead us into uh, next discussion about Kerem. Let me know, what do you think about Kerem? Do you think, like, was it deserved for him to be dropped? Uh, what do you think his role is going to be you know, in the future, in the, in the next three, four games, let's say? Uh, the first part of your question, was it deserved? I, I definitely think, you know, he was deserving to see the bench a little bit, you know, not not necessarily because anything to do with attitude or anything like that, which is part of the reason why others think that he might need to be benched. But I think it's just his play style. He hasn't been the Kerem that we know from last season. And he, he's been out of form. You, nobody can deny that. The kid's been out of form. He scored an incredible goal the other week. You know, he had a brace, I should say, and one of them being a very nice goal. But that was kind of like, it felt like a very soft band-aid to c- uncovering the actual damage that has been going on so far mm-hmm. and how, how much out of form he's been. You know, that was like, okay, oh, wow. Like, Kerem scored a nice brace. He scored a nice goal. Let's keep him on. But that didn't actually change how he was playing at all. Like that, that didn't change anything. He was still out of form. And we saw that the week after, and he's been kind of selfish a little bit. I think he's had a lot of pressure on himself to kind of prove himself like he was last season. And I don't know. I just, I haven't seen it. And it was okay because of how deep our squad is in the winger rotation. I think it was fine to see him benched. You know, you can argue against that saying we don't really have a lot of other good Turkish players that should be starting over him. You know, you can say Kazimjan is a good Turkish player, but uh, out of form, Kerem is still more useful than a somewhat formed Kazimjan. You can maybe argue that. But um, I'm okay with him being benched. Uh, but to see him come on in the 87th minute, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of, you know, much earlier, like Barış Alper came on or even Gomis came on before Kerem did. Yeah. I, th- I think that was a big question mark and a, kind of a confusing point of, 
in the game, right? You know, you have Icardi up top who hasn't been even fed the ball properly up until that. You know, he very early in the game, he had a nice chance that he kind of almost created out of nowhere, right? The yeah. ball was like that shot was like out of nowhere. And I was very impressed with it immediately. I was like, okay, you know, that's that's nice. That's what a striker should be doing. But the rest of the game, you know, he maybe had one or two balls fed to him, but they were not like a clear pass onto goal. Like, you know, exactly. he's always making runs, right? But he didn't get those passes, yeah. which was very surprising given how much creativity he had behind him. Um, so to see Gomez come on, you know, at that point of the game, which was minute uh, 75 from Mata. Mm-hmm. So we essentially took out our number 10 and we put another striker in. When the actual issue was not that our striker was not finishing, it was that we were not creating enough for him. So that was a very, very odd sub. It didn't make sense at the time, and it doesn't make even more sense now that I think about it afterwards. So, and then you you bring on Yunus uh, Kerem in the 87th minute, like, hey, man, like, yeah. you know, we kind of benched you because you had a form, but not only that, you know, you're not going to smell the game when we need to score until... There's three minutes left in the game. Yeah, pretty much garbage was, time. Garbage. He came in garbage time in the match, that, and that, you know that is indeed garbage time. Yeah. Man. I, what do you think about that? Yeah. No. Like I, I, I agree. I mean, you know, clearly he hasn't been in form. Uh, he's been pretty bad. There's been a lot of wasted chances. You could clearly see some frustration, and I just, I really hope that there isn't a slow but sure god complex brewing between Kerem and Yunus. I really hope that's not happening. I'm not saying it's happening. I'm not saying I think it is. <laughs> I'm just saying I hope it doesn't happen because I think it would be very easy for that to sort of, you know, come about, right? Like especially considering yep. this foreign this foreign rule and the position that they play and you know, I I mean let's face it, at the beginning of the season that was like before we knew about all these transfers coming in, that was the most exciting thing. You know, the fact that we had probably two of the best wingers in the league who are both Turkish, you know, that's really exciting, but it doesn't, as of right now, at least it hasn't worked out that way. Um, But yeah, man, just like you said, I think he should have, he should have been brought in sooner. I mean, we know he can score. He hasn't been doing it lately, but we know he can. So I would have liked to see him in the game with a little more time to work. Um, but anyways, wh- whatever message was given to him during this match, you know, he was, he was dropped from the starting 11. So whatever message Okan was trying to convey, hopefully he did that. And, you know, Kerem can sort of put his head down and start working a bit more towards that because on his day, you know, we could really use him. We could really, sure. really use his, his pace and, um, you know, just, just his attacking ability in general. That would be really nice, and um, we had uh, we had Barish, like I mentioned, come in at halftime at the start of the second half, and he's another one that have that has been sort of uh, his name has sort of been used lately in regards to replacing either Kerem or Yunus. And uh, do do you think like does do you think he has that quality in him? Like, do you think at the end of the day, it, there's even a chance he could replace one of them and Maybe not replace them, but just go above them in sort of, you know, the, the order of wingers that we have. Um, I think it depends entirely on how we want to play, right? Like, if you if you look at Yunus Alkin, he's a, he's a winger who likes to have the ball. He likes to take on defenders and create something. He had close to 20-something assists last season. 
that's not because you know he was making incredibly pacey runs down the wing and you know shooting it far post and getting yeah. an assist out of it magically it's because he likes to control the ball and find that run that the striker is making in front of him or the opposite winger is inside right that's how he plays Buddy Schalper is not a player you would use like that because he's just incapable of that. He's not really an intelligent player, and I don't say that in a bad way. It's just not his strength. His strength is his body, his pace, his ability to make runs, and that's why you even see like talk here and there of him maybe playing like a striker, right? Like mm -hmm. a Burak Yilmaz-type striker who just constantly makes runs and uses his body to kind of push aside center backs, and I think that's okay. So if you want to play like that, if you want to put a magician at number 10 and you want to play, you know, a striker that can work along with a guy like Barish on the side or maybe a striker like Seforovic who can, you know, put his back against the center backs and play back and forth with the, you know, the number 10 and make, you know, immediate passes to the wingers that are making runs behind him or, you know, diagonally to him, then fine. You can use a guy like Barish Alpet. And I'm okay with that. I think we should because that's what we kind of lacked this game. If you think about it, yeah. we had going back to the lineup again, but Juan Mata, Dries Mertens, and Yunus Akin. All three of these guys like the ball at their feet. All of them. Dries Mertens likes to have the ball at his feet so he can pass it or take a shot. Same thing with Yunus Akin. He likes, they play a little bit slower, a little bit more thoughtful, and you know they like to use their brain when they play. But it's shot pretty Bam, bam, bam. He goes and makes that run down the line, pushes off the right back or the left back, whoever he's playing against, and he's able to get inside the box because of that. And maybe dish it off to the striker that's playing. So I think it depends entirely on how we play. Kerem, you know, Kerem is the same way, in a way. I don't think he's a very intelligent player, but he knows how to smell the goal and find those runs behind defenders, and he likes to shoot. So I don't know if I even answered your question in this, you know, this talk, but... Um, I, I think he can play. And I think next week, maybe we can talk about that sooner or later too, but I wouldn't mind seeing Bajashak play next week as a starter, especially given how Yunus can play this game. And maybe we should talk about his mistake too. Do you, do you remember during the game, would you say that maybe one of the goals that Kaiseri scored was his fault? Yeah, Yunus, you, uh, you mean, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's like, uh, I think it was the second goal and, and and even before I, I I sort of explain this, this was one of my biggest issues, if not the my number one issue for most of the game. Uh, he just gave the ball away, like for no reason. I feel like he just gave the ball away, which led to them have a counterattack and then scored. And it's like it's it's not like he was under any real pressure or or anything like that. He just gave the ball away. And I felt like that was such a big issue. Like the players don't look like they don't know what they're supposed to do. Like we, we sort of try building up. There's a little bit of resistance. Oh, we need to get rid of the ball. Let's play this long ball. And it's not going to work. Like when you're playing against an organized team, that's never going to work. And uh, I feel like that was happening for so much of the match. And we, we conceded because of it. Yunus had the ball and he had a, a bad giveaway and they, they scored from it. Right. And, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I wish, I wish that, I wish that we just had more organization and it was clear what everyone's, uh, responsibilities were and what everyone needed to do during the match, right. In, 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 in all phases of the match in build up, you know, in the midfield, when we're in the final third, every, in, in each phase, everyone has the responsibilities. It's clear. Everyone knows what they have to do. You know, there's different scenarios. If if we're building out of the back and a team wants to sit back, how do we approach that? If a team is pressing us high, how do we approach that? 
And I, I just, mm-hmm. I feel like these are questions that need to be answered by Okan Buruk and his team. And they have, to, you know, these, the, the answers to these questions must be implemented. And if they're not, then like, well, again, like I said, it's just going to be Bismillah ball, right? <laughs> so I, I don't know, man. I, I'm sure that you were seeing the same thing, but this, like I mentioned before, I'm a possession guy. I, I love seeing teams keep the ball. And man, I, I, like, it's just so frustrating when we kick it away all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we definitely did that this game. It was just like, basically everybody was just giving the ball away. Even Sacha Bowie, who's been incredible since the season started, he had a bad game. Lucas Torreira, who's been incredible, he had a bad game. Frederick Misho, who's usually pretty like composed and smart about how he plays, he gave the ball away way more than he should have. It's like everybody in our attack, in our midfield, was just lost. Yeah. And that also makes me wonder how well we prepared for this, how, how well we, you know, appreciated and respected our opponent coming in, as well as, you know, how, how focused we were. So overall, just bad game. Um, yeah. There's and really not much more to say about y- it. Yeah, that, that pretty much leads us into, you know, maybe we can dive a little bit deeper into the topic of, actual play style like what we've seen what we would like to see and um well like i like we both just mentioned there isn't really much play style on display at all it just it look it's very disorganized at the moment and very you know the players look very confused um now what what would i like to see now this is probably never going to happen because i don't think okan buruk is too fond of this but what I personally would like to see is I would like to see uh, him, I, I would like to see Okan Buruk, you know, drop a little bit of the go, 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 attack, attack, attack mindset. And I would really like for him to just slow things down a little bit, open up the field as wide as we can make it, use these tricky wingers that we have, like Yunus, Karam, Barish, Mertens, whoever's playing there. Let's get them as wide as we can. Let's get them on the touchline where they have time and space on the ball. And let's, you know, let's, when we build out of the back, let's set up in the opponent's half and control the match. Like, even though Kaiseri, you know, they're a very organized side and they have a really good coach as well. They just, they, they don't have the quality. You know, if we just had a, a clear identity, I think that, I think that we could, um, we could just control these teams regardless of if they're an organized team or not. And that's just one, maybe not a play style, but that's just one thing that I would like to see. I just like to see us try to control this match, be patient and wait for an opening to play the ball through. Like we have Mauro Icardi up, up top, like relax, be patient, try to find some quality to get the ball in his feet and he'll score, you know, stop trying to rush everything all the time. Stop bringing the wingers inside all the time where when they get the ball, there's a defender standing there already, you know? Uh, Stop trying to go forward on every single possession, like trying to jam the ball down the other team's throat, you know? Like we have the ball, we're looking for a pass. We don't have it. Okay, let me kick it away. Say Bismillah, kick the ball away, right? (laughs) I I, I wish we would stop seeing that. And it might be a hot take. It really might be a hot take, but I'm going to say it. I really wish that I could just see what would happen if Torrent was the manager with these players. I knew you were going to say that. You know, no, I, 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 just, I just wish we could see it, man, you know? 
I, I'm curious too, because we saw us, people are going to say, what did you see with Torrent? You know, what did we do? We did worse. You know, when he came, you know, nothing changed. We still lost games. We finished 11th. We, we had high XG before he came. We were just not scoring. And that kind of went away with Torrent. But, you know, what Torrent was trying to do, which I don't want to continue too much about this subject or else we, you know, some people will not be happy about it. And it's kind of <laughs> irrelevant too, since he's not here. But you saw kind of a shift where people were trying to, you know, like you said, holding the ball more and playing wider. Kedem said it himself, and I will quote him whenever this argument comes up. He said, Kedem wanted me playing closer to the striker, and uh, Torrent Hoja wanted me playing wider. Is that not what he said? Like, am I remembering this incorrectly? Yeah, I, no, absolutely. That, that's what he said, and it changes the game. Like, we have all the tools in the box, right? Like, you got amazing quality players. Like you said, on paper, we got Yunus Akun and Kerem Akhtukur, the two best wingers, Turkish wingers in the league. They both played incredible last season. You would think that it would be very good in our attack this season, but it's just so unorganized. Like if you if you pull up Sofa score and you look at our game and you look at the player positions on the field, Yunus Akun is basically holding hands with Juan Mata in the midfield, yep. along with like Misho and Torreira. Like, why are these guys so close to each other? Like they're all trying to do the same thing and it just becomes a mess. You give the ball away because you know, the defenders and the midfields on the other team, it's just make it easier for them to yep, defend absolutely. against you. Yep. So spread the field. Spread the damn field and, like, bring a guy on you, beat him because you have that skill, and then you have another guy open when the other defender comes on you. It's so it's so simple. Right? Yeah, like, and, and, and it's clear that Okan's idea, you know, for, to give us width is to use our fullbacks really high and wide. So we see... Like, let's just say Van Anholt and Sasha were the fullbacks. Both will be very high. Both will be very wide. And those are, that's our outlet uh, for width. But the thing is, is that, like, I just, I can't understand really. Like, why, why would you do that when we could have our wingers in that position, right? And when our wingers have the ball, we can, so we can either play our wingers into space behind the back line for them to run onto, or we can give them the ball and see what they can create. Like, they're creative, mm. tricky players, Yunus and Kerem. They'll take a player on. They'll drive down the line, cut inside, cross. You know, like, there's so many things. And then you have the fullbacks overlapping them, which is so much better, you know, as opposed to just giving the fullbacks all of the responsibility on the width. Like, that's mm. so ridiculous to me. I, I don't know why Okan Buruk insists on playing that way and insists on using our best wide players in the middle of the field, like, it's really driving me crazy and that that you know those are changes i would really like to see to our play style just because i think it suits our players more man um so Agreed. you know who knows what what we'll see in in the next in the next few games coming up and you know i would imagine there would be some changes after the last performance you know whether they're drastic or not i i think there there should be some changes and you know the team has to really sit down and look at that performance and see where we can improve um, well, let me ask you this then, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're a coach, you, you watch Gala, you understand mm -hmm. the game. What changes would you make based off of this 11, what you saw from the subs, you know, add additional factors. You're playing at home this time instead of away, people's recent form, the, the foreigner limit. So what's your ideal 11? I think we should talk about that too, going into next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think, uh, I was, you know, really pushing to see Kazimjan. And I think he did just okay. He made a lot of mistakes like crossing the ball and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. I don't know. We have Emre Tashdemir as well. 
I suppose he could have a chance. I wouldn't be opposed to that to see what he can do. Um, but just for just just to answer your question, I'll just I'll just go with Kazim Jun again. But pr- pretty much the same eleven that we had, except I I actually and again might be a hot take, but I prefer Sergio over Mitsha. And they're two very different players. But I think that Mitsha offer uh, sorry, I think uh Sergio Oliveira offers more balance and stability. Like I said, I like teams that keep possession of the ball. I think Sergio is a little bit better for that. And he adds some other threats as well from set pieces and stuff like that. Um, I, I would see the same thing just with Sergio and either Emre or Kazimjan. That that would be my ideal starting 11. And I've explained the my ideal tactics as well. I think we should be opening the field up more. And it, like it, it just suits our players. Like Imagine us opening the field as wide as we can and giving Mata even more space in the middle. You know, giving him like he'll be shifting from left to right on whatever side the ball is on, supporting the ball, creating those triangles. And I I think he'll just be a magician. But it's hard to do that when Yunus and Mertens are like, you know, giving you a handshake in the middle of the field. Like, you know, so I'd like to see those changes. But otherwise, the starting 11 that we had was was almost perfect. Uh, So you're you're fine with keeping Yunus Upkin on the field? I mean, I I guess. I mean, I don't know if he if if Okan is thinking about dropping him and trying Kerem or like you said, Barish. But yeah, Yunus has really been disappointing as well. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to you know any of those changes that I just mentioned, either uh, uh, Kerem or Barish. But also, if it's possible, which I it's probably not, I would at some point I would love to see Rashitsa in the starting eleven because I think he could be really good. Like every time he's come in, I've said I, I've always said that he's he's looked decent. Like he looks he looks like a winger, man. He looks like he can play. Exactly, so, you, you said it perfectly. Uh, yeah. He looks like a winger. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that's he he looks he's, like he's a winger. That's his position. Like he knows the, his role. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know how, how it would be possible. Like what sacrifices would need to be made for that? But maybe Mertens I, would have to sit, or Mer, Mertens would. I don't know. I'm not sure. I think. It, I think it's simple, man. Like you, you cut one of Juan Mata or Mertens and you play Rashika instead. Yeah. You either keep Yunus or you play Kerem instead. You're obviously going to keep it Cardi up top. And the reason why I kind of want Rashika and even Barish Alper to play is because of everything that you're explaining as a winger. They stay wide, they're pacey, and they give the options in the middle, Juan Mata slash, you know, uh, Mertens and in this case, Sergio, to find those passes or to take that space and take a shot or find a cardi with it. Yeah, I think our midfield area is just way too condensed week over week over week. And unfortunately, Yunus Akun either is not listening to coach or coach is not giving him the right advice. And, you know, there's no right or wrong to this, right? I'm not, I'm not suggesting that it has to be a very wide play. That's one style of play, right. but it's really not working too well. I mean, yes, we're getting high XGs and everything, but it's still apparent week over week. You know, we're, we're not scoring as many goals as we should. And I think that's one of the many reasons why. But, you know, I would love for us to even start like Rashika and Barishal Pradyamos. Put both Yunus Akun and Kerem on the bench. Like, it is what it is. And play those two guys and they will be your wingers. They will stay wide and then you'll have Sergio and Mertens or Mata 
to find those through balls. They both like to make those runs. They both can come in and shoot. And they'll give more space to Icardi to receive the ball from Mata and Sergio. I would love to see that, honestly. And I would keep Kazimjan just because I want to see how he plays with a little bit more relaxation. Yeah. You know, yeah. His, fir his first game, you know, was away at Kaisere. That's tough. Especially when the rest of the team is off as well. Yeah. I would love to see Kazimjan at home with teammates that are actually a little bit more focused and better. You know, I think he can be even more effective. Yeah, yeah. So... And 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 then anyways, like I'm I'm not really a fan of this mindset, you know, that we always have in Turkey, where like these, I, I don't want maybe not kids, but these younger players come in, and it's almost as if they have like one chance in the starting eleven. You know what I mean? Like if, if you you play bad or you mess up, that's it, you're done, right? Yeah, that's always yeah. uh this thing in Turkey that kind of bothers me. So like I said, I I wouldn't be upset, even though I don't think he played amazing or anything. I wouldn't be upset if he if he was in the starting 11 again just to see what he can do you know let's give him a chance see if we can work him in um but uh yeah maybe if if we can sort of move on i i wanted to bring up what you, you what you think and, and your thoughts about the um i guess officiating in this match how it's been going against us or for us in your opinion uh what um, did you think so i will need your help in you know, remembering some of these decisions or lack of, because mm -hmm. I, I kind of like right after the game finished, I did the best I can to forget about yeah, it the yeah, rest yeah. of the day. Well, well, but maybe, maybe let, let, let me say this. So I think the, probably, probably the first one was the, on the first goal that they scored where there was a lot of arguments. And after the match, even today, I mean, today's Monday, the match was on Saturday I'm still seeing images of the potential foul on Sasha Boy, if if you That's remember right. that. Um, right. What? Let's just start there. What do you think about that? Do, do you think that was a foul or? I think it's not surprising to see that be a, be called a foul against you know for the defender in the box on a goal scoring opportunity. Like I say, all of that piece by piece because all of those pieces usually more often than not are the deciding factors in fouls being called or not called, penalties being called or not called. So with all that said, I, I could have seen that being called a foul for us against Sacha Bowie any day of the week. Yeah. And to see it not called is like, hmm, like, okay, like, fine, I guess. Maybe like because it's in their stadium with the fan pressure, you know, they kind of were like, you know what, we'll just leave that as a goal. Like it was kind of like a 50-50 Maybe a 60-40. I'm not sure. But I was not too concerned about it. But when all these add up, it, it does get a bit concerning week after week for that first foul, at least. Yeah. Like, I, I think that... So, the thing is, is that when you... You know, of course, when you pause the clip at a certain point... Of course. You know, it probably <laughs> looks like Sasha's being, like... Not, not stepped on, but sort of kicked, right? Like, the guy's the other guy's cleats and his studs are sort of on Sasha's ankle, right? So, yeah. of course, when you pause it like that and everyone starts complaining on Twitter that it's a foul, fine. But if, if you really watch the clip, like you said, it's, it's really kind of 50-50. Like, I, I feel mm -hmm. it could have gone either way. And in this case, it just so happens that it went against us, which is very convenient. But, you know... I I don't know. It's really close, man. I, I think it, it, it probably could have been a foul and the goal probably could have been disallowed. But it's not like I'm not going to be 
you know, stuck on that for like three weeks complaining about it. Like, I don't think, yeah, yeah. I don't think it was that bad. I think, I just think that, you know, with another ref and and another officiating team, maybe that goal would have been canceled, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then we had the goal that was taken away from us. uh, Sort of in the second half, creeping towards the end of the match, uh, Abdul Kerim, uh, I guess it was a header that sort of came bounced off Bodish, I think. And I think the call was that it was a handball or that. Yeah. I think he, he, they, they said that he had touched the ball. What do you think about that one? Was that the right call? I, so in the moment I was so mad. I was like, how can you give that a handball? Right. Because how often do you see the ball kind of like just hit, you know, the defender's hand or arm and they don't call it because it's so close. You know, the proximity of the deflection to the guy is too close for them to be able to move their hand if it's in a natural position. So they don't call penalties because of it, right? How many times have we seen that? Yeah. You know, every single year. So I'm like, okay, this is the same thing, right? Like, Badish Abdukadam uh, headed the ball. It happened to hit Badish Alper on the arm, which was closed, and it deflected towards the goal. And it, he scored because of it. But. At the end of the day, apparently, you know, I was too mad to look into every single word of the paragraph. But from what I've seen is if the ball is deflected towards goal off of the arm, whether it's intentional or not, it's it's not counted. And that is also why apparently they, they didn't even bother going to VAR, which is another complaint that we have as fans to this day, this league, we haven't seen VAR once, right? So apparently if it's clear and obvious... There's no point in calling the ref to VAR to make a decision. And in that case, because it hit his arm, which was very clear, even though accidental, it was not a goal. I, I don't know like if you know anything different about the rules or not, but like what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I mean if that's what the rules say, then I suppose it was the correct call. But exactly what you just said, I, I think mostly it's, you know, part like like mostly the issue is that uh, we never get to see VAR like considered. It's it's never even a thought. Like the the call is always made on the pitch, and that's it. Which mm-hmm. you know, I I'm not really that much of a you know a, a I guess a conspiracist or you know I I I don't really like thinking about that. I I like thinking towards you know we should just play better then, so we don't have to worry about this. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know, man. It's kind of it's kind of bullshit. I'm going to be honest. It's it's a little <laughs> bit bullshit that VAR is never brought into the picture. Um, yeah. Especially when there's other teams where, you know, if you even look at somebody wrong, they're, they're checking VAR, right? Yeah. So I don't know, man. I don't know if, if you know, I don't want to say there's an agenda or anything like that, but it is kind of BS at this point. And I would like to see them at least check. I think that would make everyone feel a lot better. And then we can argue about if it was the right call or not afterwards, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, it's really not hard to just check something. And, you know, a check doesn't have to mean that you're going to change the call. It could just mean like, yeah, give some reassurance to the fans watching that, okay, this ref has checked the video and has made a decision. It, like, again, it's going to feel very controversial and like, you know, conspiracy theorists like but like it's like they're defending these center refs and giving the responsibility to anybody but them by not calling the ref to var and having var make the decision to change it 
to not change it or not even view it, it's making the ref in that moment not responsible. Yeah. Of course, the ref is responsible for everything that goes on the field. But, of course, the reason why they brought VAR is because the ref doesn't have 100 eyes seeing the entire screen like a bird's eye view. They don't. That's impossible. So they brought VAR, which in theory is a great implementation to this game if used properly. But by not bringing that ref to VAR, it's like, okay, you know, whoever the ref is, you know, you're clear. This is not your fault. If the ref, if the fans are going to complain, they can't use your name because your name was not the guy who gave the decision that screwed them or helped them, right? Right. So it, it feels like it really does feel intentional in a way. And I hate talking about refs. I truly do. But like, I'm watching these other games too, John. Like, you know, we you guys, not you guys, I should say Summit's name clearly because he's <laughs> the one that gives me shit for it. But I watch every single big teams game on the weekend as often as I can, 90, right. 95% of the time. I watched Bishitish's game this weekend. I watched Fenerbahce's game today, that being Monday, the game that they played against. Who do they play against? I forget. But, bro, like some of these decisions that are being made are not being made. It's <laughs> yeah. very, very, very sketchy. Yes. Yeah. And, and and I say this live too. I Sorry, guys. I don't have time to read the whole thing and talk about this live. But our, our club just made a post 45 minutes ago saying, you know, this entire post about cert- certificate of uh shame that's what they labeled it on twitter and several paragraphs i guess about what's been going on in this league and the refereeing so it's definitely a concern it's great to see that the club is saying something about it but we always see something being said about it always every single year sometimes it's on time sometimes it's late sometimes we get in trouble for what we say but you know we want to see something being done about it too um will we see something i don't know uh it's been what 10 weeks now nine games for us 10 games for uh, others maybe but you know to to what extent is this gonna go on do you do you see this being the case the rest of the season do you see adam tumor speaking up you know before the game the season started he made a comment he said we're gonna take note of every single decision that the refs are making for us and against us you know, whether we're wrong or we're right, and he's gonna, we're going to do this for all the teams in all the games across the league, and we're, we're going to write reports on it. And we haven't seen anything yet. Even Burak Elmas's team, <laughs> you know, not saying it was super effective, but what they did last year before he got fired was every single week we had a post that went into the analytics of all the refs and the decisions they made. And we posted it every single week on Twitter. You know, there was a separate post for it. Was it useful? Did people talk about it? Not really. But at least they did something. They kept some sort of track record of what's going on. Maybe they had other plans with it if they didn't get fired, but they still had something and produced something. Aaron Tumor said he's going to have something, but we haven't seen anything yet. So yeah, I, think, I don't, and I, I don't I know think, what's going to happen with that. I think that's important too. Like, I, I don't think that we should just be, you know, letting all of this slide like yeah. I, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know how long this is gonna go on for, but it 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 is getting to a point, like you said, where it's looking very sketchy. Like I have to say, we're we're getting to that point now where we're on the tenth week. They've never checked VAR for us. Other teams are getting these bullshit calls. Like it, it is getting a little bit worrying. So maybe the club will will uh, will speak up a little more. Um, and like I mentioned a couple of minutes ago as well. 
I'm the type of person where I prefer focusing on how we can just play better so we don't have to go through this. And that sort of leads us into our last topic, Okan Buruk. Um, what do you think about Okan Buruk, man? Is, is, is he going to stick around? Are we going to give him a full year? Is he out the door if these results continue? What's his deal, man? What's, what's going to happen? I think it's too early. Um, and while I say that now... I'm not against or I'm not, you know, going to say my mind's not going to change four or five weeks from now because I would like to be able to criticize and I think everybody should. Our coach, whoever it is, whether it's Okamburuk, Torrent or Fatih Tedim, on their decisions week after week after week because just as you and I and the rest of the four of us on any other week can talk about the game for hours, so can the coaching staff. So can the coaching staff with the players and we can make changes accordingly. If we don't see the right changes next week and the week after that and the week after that, I think we have four games until the World Cup break. If we don't see any like change until then and we still look lost and we're losing points because of it, I would not be surprised to see Erdan Tumur and Dursun Özbek make a drastic decision and be like, look, Okan, we love you, but we're not... We provided you an amazing squad with a lots of talent, lots of leaders, lots of experience, and we're not getting the results that we need. When we want to be champions this year, when our opponents are doing well as well, and it's a hundredth year of Turkey, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, we want to win this league, they might make a drastic decision. Personally, I would like him to stay. Of course, I, I think he's doing great things. And I, you know, before I t- pass the baton on to you, something that I really want to praise Okan on that I see week after week. I think he's making a good decision from a, like, what's the English word of it? Like, justice, like, hak, you know? Yeah. So, like, this person deserved this week after week, yeah, whether it's yeah, the minutes yeah. I get or whatever. I think he's doing an incredible job with that. Yeah. Um, I remember you know, that go, was a complaint you had about, I think it was Fatih Tedim. My biggest complaint about yeah. Fatih Tedim, one of my biggest complaints, I had a lot about him, but that's one of my biggest ones. People would do well for like, you know, 50 minutes when they subbed on or a game when they started and all of a sudden they eat the bench. They they get they get seated on the bench the next game when it doesn't make sense to them. They're confused, they lose morale and it shows it in the team when this happens to multiple players week after week, right? So far, I have not seen that once yet. Gomez started the season as a sub. He did well, he won games for us. He won an entire like six, nine points for us back to back to back. And what happened? He started because of it. And all of a sudden, what happened? You know, he's not doing that great as a starter. Yeah. And he got benched. If Icardi was not ready in here to bench him, Seforovic would have started. I would put a lot of money on it that Seforovic would have started over Gomez just because Gomez didn't deserve to start anymore. Right. Kerem has not been in form. He got a little more slack because of, you know, his history last season and the fact that he's Turkish. But he ate the bench too. And Okan Buruk sent a message even further saying, all right, I'm not going to bench you. I'm not going to put you on in the 75th minute. You know, Gomis has been a game changer every time he's come on. I'm going to play him. And you're going to see the bench a little bit longer. Right. I think he's sending a message some way, somehow. And I can't say it's completely undeserved. Other players, the same thing. Uh, Van, Van Anholt, he has lacked some performances and he saw the bench because of it. Michel played really well last game and he started this game because of it. You know, I, I see that often you know pretty good like consistently but then now we can maybe even question is that a good idea or not 
does that put too much pressure on the players saying, hey, look, if you don't play well, you know, for a game or two, you're going to sit the bench. So, you know, you can you can kind of uh, digest that many different ways. But I did want to give credit to Okan for that. But I'd love to know what you're thinking as a coach yourself on the whole Okan Buruk thing. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I, as, I hate saying this. I hate, hate, hate saying this. And I've said it a, a few times on, on this podcast. And I'm going to say it again. Unfortunately, <laughs> I wish we had a different coach, man. I do. I, I wish that we brought in somebody else. But it's very painful to say that because I love Okan Buruk. I think he's a, you know, he's pretty much a club legend. And there's nothing more that I want than to see him succeed with this group. And, you know, just to write like this beautiful story. I, I would love that. I don't know if it's going to happen though, man. I'm really doubting it. And not just because we lost. I've been doubting it since almost the first yeah. match of the season. Yeah, you know, any, any, yeah. yeah, anyone can go back and listen. Pretty much the first game of the season, I've been saying this. And... I'm not sure what to expect, man. I don't know if he's going to bounce back. I don't know if he's going to make changes. I don't know if he's just going to be that typical stubborn Turkish guy and just keep pushing, you know, his game plan and, and his his philosophy, whatever it is, and it's just not going to work. I don't I don't know what the case is. And I I'm going to be honest with this as well. I think that, you know, wh- when you look at the table, you say you know, we, we, we haven't been doing too bad. Like we've been doing pretty well, actually, considering most of the games have been away games, right? But when you really look closer, a lot of those were just from Gomis miracles, right? It's not because Okan came out with a beautiful game plan and we dominated these, like it literally, I think six or nine points is just from Gomis scoring these miracle goals or just scoring in general. And that's not a good mm-hmm. look man we've played nine no. games it's 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 really really not a good look and like look i i understand it's a new coach it's a brand new team like from front to back it's a brand new team we have more talent than we know what to do with at this point so i'm not saying that it's an easy task i'm just saying that i wish we had somebody else who was a little bit more uh stern on their idea and their play style and at least we would have that to cling on to you know at least we could watch the matches and say you know i i see the idea i see what we're trying to do it might not be happening but at least i can see it and we can improve on it right and i think that um i think that jorge jesus is a dog water manager (laughs) but at least i can say He's like, you know, he puts his foot down and says, this is our play style. This is how we play. This is our identity. And it doesn't matter who we're playing against. This is what we do. And I can at least admire that from him. He has a really punchable face, really punchable face. I really don't like him. And I don't think he's that good of a manager, but at least at a minimum, the bare minimum I can give him is that. You know, he has an identity and implements it and they stick to that. And I wish we had that, um, but we don't. So that's what I think about Okan Buruk. I wish him all the best and I pray every day he can pull it off because if, if anyone can pull it off, I want it to be him. Um, and lastly, I hope he's given, if, if the results do not go our way 
and this turns into a shitty season, I hope he's still given the full year, you know, to, to make something happen and, and to try to turn it around or show improvement because I don't want him to leave in the middle of the season and then we're right back to where we were last season, bringing in some coach like Torrent and throwing him in the middle of a shitstorm, just trying to figure everything out, right? I don't want right. to see that again. Well, okay, so that makes me wonder, though, because if you look at our transfer policy this summer, more, I would say a good majority of it is risky. It is banking on a championship this season. And I would not be surprised if our executive decision on a coach follows that trend, if that makes sense. Right. Last season, it was surprising. Why? You transfer all these young guys, you spend a lot of money on their transfer fees, but low salaries, because you say, all right, this is a long-term investment. We're building a team for the future, not for immediate success. And we have a legend of this club, Fatih Tedem, to lead the way. And results start not going our way, and we reverted to our emergency strategy of, yep. okay, we need to win a championship this year, and let's act on that. That was inconsistent with the plan from the get-go. Our plan from the get-go this year is we're winning this championship. No matter what, we are going to win. Everybody's saying it. Dursun Özbek is saying it. Erdem Tumor is saying it. Okan Buruk is saying it. Nobody is putting these words in their mouth. They are saying it themselves. We are going to be championships. And they acted like that too. They brought Mertens. They brought Mata. You know, the list goes on and on. I will probably forget one or two of them because the list is that long. We brought all these players to win this year. That is why I would not be surprised come, you know, these Başakşehir, Beşiktaş back-to-back games in a few weeks. If the results up to those games don't look good and the results of those games don't look good, we're going to be like, assuming every other team is going the way that they are now, we're going to be like six, seven, eight, ten points behind these teams. And that's going to put a lot of pressure. And that's also going to be a very good time to switch coaches. Tell me not. Like I, yeah. I'm against it, but I'm just putting the thought as like, you know, I'm just thinking out loud. I'm not saying we should do it, but if we're going to change coaches this year, that is going to be the time to, to do it. And the reason why I bring this discussion up is not because I want it for those listening. It's because if we're going to do something, you know, I, I don't want it to be surprising and I want it to be at least, okay, look, the, the, the executive team acted at the right time. You're going to have a month off you know, it's going to be earlier in the season than normal. Usually we have winter break off, which is what, like 18, 19 games in. But this kind, this time it's going to be earlier because of the World Cup. And, you know, you're going to have the, the, the new coach is going to have more time to adjust if need be. And you still have a lot of time left in the season to turn things around. And the reason why I said that is because I think we should be extra careful and extra attentive of how we play week over week until that World Cup break. And I think Okan needs to be extra careful. You know, maybe maybe the the executive team is saying, "Look, don't stress. You know, we're behind you." But those are just words, because if Okan doesn't start to change things and play a little bit more of a you know a known play style that we were just discussing, I think there's going to be a lot of fans, a lot of pressure from the fans and the executive board for a change. So I hope it doesn't happen, but I bring it up because I think there's a probability of it. Honestly speaking, yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. I think um I think we can wrap up then. That's that's enough said, yeah. I think. Um yeah. so uh yeah, thanks for thanks for joining today, man. A good conversation as usual. 
And for sure, um, for sure. Thank you to all of our listeners who have made it through 32 episodes now of the Lions Den. We appreciate you all. Uh, better, better times ahead. Hopefully, we'll see how it goes. Um, thank you for listening. Give us a follow on our socials at the Lions Den GS, Twitter, Instagram, whatever you got. Give us a follow. And uh, yeah, peace out. Thank you, everybody. Take care.